Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. We're in a, uh, a new series, which is I Heart Series, and I, or I Love Series. And last week, um, Greg, Greg talked, and uh, this week I'm going to be talking. And I've, I was thinking about preaching, and it's a weird thing that, you know, you guys all come to church to connect with God, and then there's some young guy out the front talking to you, and um, I suppose encouraging you and challenging you. But I suppose through that, I truly believe that, you know, God, um, I suppose, uses us to be able to, I suppose, just talk through us um, to you guys. And, you know, there's some people that are anointed to do that, and some people aren't. Not everyone's called to be a preacher, but I just believe that, you know, it is a weird thing, I suppose, to hear a 26-year-old 20, talking to Steve Blake. Like, seriously, like, what, what, could I, what could I teach him? But um, anyway, I just, I just pray this morning um, that, you know, God can just talk through me and just really be able to reveal um, the love that God has for you guys and the love that we need um, for our neighbors. And that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Love your neighbor. And uh, that's in um, Luke 10, 30 to 37. But I'm just going to pray and um, we'll get into it. God, I just thank you so much uh, for this opportunity just to be able to bring your word. And I just pray this morning that you can just speak through me and just be able to encourage this church, Lord God, just to be amazing neighbors to this world, Lord God, amazing neighbors to our community. And we can just be able to make a difference and be the light in this community so people will come to know you. And I just pray that in your mighty name. Amen. Awesome. The Good Samaritan, put your hand up if you've heard the story. Yes, most people have heard the story of the Good Samaritan. And I suppose lots of people have um, heard of a Good Samaritan story in their life where someone's gone above and beyond uh, the call or just the normal thing and done something really, really nice for someone. And sometimes you see it on a current affair. They make a, a big deal of a, of a Good Samaritan story and... I found it funny that, you know, some governments, I think in Australia and around the world, they've actually put in a law called the Good Samaritan Act, where um, if you go and help someone, and for example, if they're drowning, or and you resuscitate them, and you crack their rib or break their sternum, or you go to help someone, and you hurt them doing something um, for someone else, it's actually, uh, you don't get in trouble for that. It's like you, it's like a Good Samaritan Act, you've done a good thing, you can't get in trouble for actually trying to help someone, yeah? That would suck, hey, like, you got to try and save someone's life, and they're like, hey, I didn't want to be saved, I'm going to sue you now. It's like, come on, I didn't know that, you were dead. But, um, yeah, there's, yeah, so anyway, um, you can do that and not get in trouble. That's good. Don't know why I went there. Uh, but, yeah, so today I'm going to be talking on the story of the Good Samaritan, um, and how this story is a great lesson for us to learn why and how we need to love our neighbor. And, I think when I say neighbor, it's just not your next door neighbor or across the road neighbor. This word neighbor, I think, um, doesn't have any, any boundaries to it, that we should be neighbors to everyone. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that this morning. And I just have a, a, quick, a quick quote that, um, that, that I heard once that I loved, and I added a little bit to it, so I've, I've clumified it. But, uh, but it says, if you saw the lost and needy the way Jesus saw the lost and needy, we would begin to go like Jesus went. I'll say it again. If you saw the lost and needy the way Jesus saw the lost and needy, we would begin to go 
like Jesus went. And when we become Christians and we say, you know what? Yes, I want to be a Christian. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. That's awesome. That's the first step that we take. But then from that, it's our responsibility to be able to tell others about Jesus and actually act like Jesus acted and did or do what he did um, back in the Bible. And that's why that the Bible is so important. I think that we can read this and we can learn what Jesus did and we can apply it to our lives and then go out there and um, help people. In Matthew 5.16, it says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let your good deeds shine for everyone to see, not so they bring glory to you, but so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I think that's really important with our, with our actions, that we're, we're doing them to be able to praise God, bring glory to God, and not bring glory back to ourselves. That sometimes that a lot of people do good things in the world, and they do great things, and they're good causes, but they don't necessarily bring glory to God. They bring glory to man, and it doesn't make a massive difference in the world because I think that you know the God factor is not in there, where if we took some of those great ideas and put God into them, I think you know there could be a lot more... Um, happening in some of those good ideas. So as Christians, we're called to be the light um, into situations and making a difference in people's lives. And I suppose making a difference in people's lives where, where no one else would think of doing it maybe or where you, no one else could be bothered to make a difference in that situation or maybe thinking, oh, someone else will do that. Someone else will be the person that will fix that up, you know. That's, that's a, such a sad situation, and it's really, really, really bad that that's going on. And, you know, I would love to do something about it, but I'm sure someone else will. And I think sometimes that can be our attitudes. And I know, you know, I've had that attitude before um, in, in my life where you see, see a need, and it's like, well, that's going to take a bit of, bit of effort and time and, and money and maybe, maybe might put me out a little bit. I'm, I, reckon, I reckon someone else will do that, and they'll probably do it better than I'll do it. And I think... God is trying to, trying to teach me that when, when, we're, when we're looking at the world, when we're looking at situations and individual people, that it's important that we look at people how Jesus looks at people and not the way that, I suppose, our, our, our man looks at people. Because our, our humanness will always think of ourselves. Our humanness will always think of, how is this going to affect me rather than how is this going to help someone else? And I think that's how Jesus looked in his life, that he actually, everything that he did, he looked at them through love and the love that God had for him. And that's the way that we need to be looking at people, church, through the love that Jesus has for us. And through that, we can shine that and help people and make a difference in their lives as well. So if we're going to love our neighbor, we need to first know how Jesus loved us. And through that, you know, the, the love that Jesus has for us can flow out, just as I was saying before. And I've just got a few verses here. Um, oh, actually, first, in John thirteen thirty four, this is the new commandment that, that, um, that Jesus gave. The, I suppose the great commandment is, or uh, well, the, the greatest commandment. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. What? Just as I... I, I made a typo. Sorry. Always do. Um, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So love one another just as I have loved you. And then your love for one another will 
prove to the world that you are my disciples. So obviously we need to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. And then after that, we need to love others as God has loved us. So a few verses how God has loved us. Romans 5, 8. Jesus loved us so much that while we were still sinners, he died for us. You know, the greatest sacrifice of all. While we were still sinners, and we're still sinners, and we're never not going to be sinners, that Jesus knew this, but still sacrificed his own life for us. And I'm not, I'm not sure if, if Jesus is asking us to necessarily sacrifice our life for others physically, but, you know, spiritually, that's what God really wants is our life, and God can use our life and sacrifice our own agendas and our own needs and our, and our own thoughts and give them to God so that we can go and, I suppose, help the world and sacrifice our lives for others. It's a, it's a, it's a, big, a big thought to think, you know, sacrificing my life to help someone else. But I, if I just relate it to my own life, I believe that, you know, you know, being a, being a youth pastor, I, I love it so much. And I believe that I, I've, when I use the word sacrifice, it's not a bad thing at all. Hey, I love it. I love the sacrifice that I'm, that, I don't want to sound like, um, woe is me, because this is not at all. I love it so much being a youth pastor. And I've sacrificed my life to God so that he can use me to help others, if that makes sense. And, you know, I'm sure that you know, there's lots of people in this church that, that, that do similar things, that they've sacrificed their life to God so that you can hear the calling that he has for your life so that you can go and help others and make a difference in this world. Is that good? Okay. And the second verse that I have is Romans 8.1. And this is, this is a big one in the Western world, I think. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Condemnation, I think, or judgment was so quickly to judge and it's just in us in i don't know if that it's all over the if that's in other cultures as well but i just know in our culture and especially in in i suppose the bay can be seen as an affluent i suppose community you know there's a bit of money that i think in the bay and just from what i've seen we're so quick to judge others and we're so quick to jump in oh did you see them do that and i, I do it myself you know and and God, I think God's, you know, really trying to teach me not to judge so quickly. You know, look at the situation, look at the story behind it, that you can all make up a scenario in your head, I'm sure, where you just quickly judged without even knowing the story first or quickly jumped in and, and made an opinion about what you think would be, would be better in that person's life than what they're actually doing. And I think Jesus is telling us here in Romans 8, you know, don't be so quick to judge others but be quick to love them where they're at right now. You know, there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus doesn't condemn us. He convicts us, but there's no condemnation in Christ. That There's, there's none of this, you know, feeling, feeling guilt or, or shame um, in Jesus Christ because he died for that. And I think so many times that we jump into this judgmental state too quickly rather than thinking about how we can help the person, we judge the person. So I think for us to be able to love our neighbor, we first have to know how Jesus loved us. And through that, 
when we get that revelation of how Jesus loved us, we can then take that revelation and then use that love that Jesus has for us to shine into other people's life. Jesus is not only asking us to sacrifice for each other, he's also asking us not to judge or condemn others. I suppose another way that we can look at how Jesus loves us, Luke, Luke chapter 15, the whole chapter is all about the lost, all about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost, the lost son, all about how Jesus loves the lost so much that he will do anything to get one of his children back to him. I preached the message at youth the other day about how you know the the lost the lost sheep, how the the um the farmer went out and left the ninety nine and went and got the one and he didn't just find him but he picked it up and he put him on his shoulders and he carried him back and then when he got back he chucked the party and went woohoo we found him and that was me I was you know we'd kick the sheep we'd probably get it back and shoot it and say don't do that the other ninety nine or that happened to you you know it's <laughs> you know that's our that's our humanness. That's, that's, our, that's our, our human response. We're going to want to, you know, why did you do that? You stupid thing, you know. But Jesus, on the other hand, is completely different. You know, if we lose something, we don't always try and find it. The other day, Tristan lost her keys, okay. She looked for them for maybe five minutes and went, oh, I'll turn up. I'm like, they're your keys. You can't drive. You can't get into your house. The um, car keys on it. If someone finds it, they can have both our cars, get into our house and take all of our stuff. Ah, uh, they'll turn up. Jesus, on the other hand, you know, he's swept the house. He's doing everything trying to find this, this, lost, this lost coin. And Toby had them and I think put them on my side of the bed for some reason. And we found them. But, you know, they turned up. You're right. Oh, she, women are always right, aren't you? Always. <laughs> I've learned that. Learned that very quickly. But the love that Jesus has for the lost, is huge. You know, that's why he came here to earth. That's why he was sent to earth, was for the lost. Not for the healthy. He was here for the sick. Not for the ones that have it all together. The ones that are broken. And I think, you know, that love we need to have for the broken, for the lost, for the downcast, for the ones that don't have it all together, for the ones that are annoying, for the ones that stink, for the ones that have full teeth in their mouth or known teeth whatsoever for the ones that, you know, just don't have what we have. And that's Jesus. And we need to be a neighbor to those people and show them that love and be able to shine the love that Jesus has for us, through us, into them to make a difference in their life. So I just want to say that neighborhood starts from our hearts, not from boundaries of place or races. I'll say that again. Neighborhood starts from our hearts and not from the boundaries of place or races. That a neighbor just isn't the person sitting next to you or a neighbor just isn't the person that lives next door to you or the person you used to live next door to five years ago. You know, they were you. Yep, they were your physical neighbor, but I suppose they're not. This isn't what Jesus is talking about here in Luke 10. 30 to 37. If you want to turn to that, I'm just going to read it and we'll um, have a look what Jesus is talking to us about. The parable of the Good Samaritan. So basically, once again, Jesus was getting tested 
to set this story up. He was getting tested by the religious leaders. They were trying to make him say something that, um, you know, to make him slip up. But once again, Jesus prevails. Who would have thought? Um, and he tells a parable about the Good Samaritan. And basically says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish, man, a Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant, or also known as a Levite, um, was... <laughs> wanted to get it right. Thanks, Simon, for your chuckle. Um, (laughs) Walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than, than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, you got it right. Good job. Now go and do the same. It's a pretty cool story. There was three people had the chance to um, make a difference in this guy's life. And I think, you know, the ones that you thought probably would have, didn't. And I don't know about you guys, but I think sometimes the world looks at the church Maybe not necessarily as the answer, but maybe I wonder what they're going to do in this situation. I wonder what, I wonder what the Christian is going to do in this situation. Maybe in your friend groups or in your, you know, just in the community that you live in and, you know, the people that you hang around, maybe your footy team or your, your soccer team or your work group or whatever. I wonder what the Christian is going to do in this situation. And I wonder how we react in that. Just a thought. So I just wanted to, I got four quick points about this parable of the Good Samaritan. I just want to go through them and um, I'll be done. So number one is firstly, a good neighbor notices people in need. So the priest and the Levite continued on down the road, but the Samaritan went to the man and checked. You know, he, he noticed that there was something going on, and then he went and checked to see if it's okay. And when he got there, he noticed, wow, this guy isn't all right. And I think sometimes that, that's all it takes is just, uh, how are you doing? Are you doing all right? It's a pretty easy thing to ask, but sometimes we just don't think of it, that we're so busy and caught up in our own, our own life and our own um, busy schedule and important schedule, how important this thing is that I'm trying to do right now is, and sometimes we can just walk past the situation and not take the time to just even say, hey, how you doing? Are you okay? Do you need help there? Is there anything that I can do? 
And this isn't an opportunity to be able to, I suppose, preach at them and say, you know, you need Jesus in your life because, you know, you've fallen off your scooter and need help up. You know, it's just, are you okay? Can I help you? I've noticed that there's a need and can I make a difference in the situation? I watched watched a, um, a TV show once. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it was called True Beauty. And it was, it was an American show, obviously, because they're the most beautiful people in the world. You all know that. Um, they'll let you know. And um, the, the TV show was all of that. They got, like, a group of good-looking guys and a group of good-looking girls, and they, they lived in this, this, this house together, and they were competing to see who was the most beautiful person in the whole of the USA. And, wow, there were some characters in that, um, in that house. But... The TV show just wasn't about the looks, about what they looked like. The TV show, they were getting filmed all the time, and the whole concept of the TV show was who had the greatest inner beauty? Who had the greatest inner beauty? And they did all these, like, model shoots, and, oh, look at that great photo. But, you know, it didn't matter about how good-looking they were at all because the way that you won the show was to see who had the greatest inner beauty. And they set situations up. So they filmed them in the house where, you know, they didn't know they were getting filmed and they were getting filmed in the house, how they responded in different situations and responded um, when they thought no one was watching. And when they got into the, to the room, or might have been a challenge, I think, and then they got voted out or they, they lost, and they got into the room, they sat them down and said, hey, this show wasn't actually about how good-looking you were. It was about how good your inner beauty was. And sat them down and said, hey, have a look at yourself. I was like, whoa, <laughs> imagine if someone did that to my life. Sit down and have a look at yourself. I don't know if I'd want to watch it sometimes, hey. And I think this would be a cool um, TV show for Christians even. You know, they set up situations where these guys were so busy. And oh, they had to get to a model shoot at a certain time. And like, you have to be at this model shoot at a certain time. They're walking along and they set up a person that might have fallen out as an actor and they fell over on the gutter and then it was like okay is this true beauty going to stop and say hey are you all right or they're gonna be like oh no i'm so busy i've got to get to my model shoot and run up the run up the um run up the stairway into into the model shoot and i think sometimes in our life that can be us hey we get so busy so focused on our lives so focused on what we need to be doing and it's so important i know that and so, so focused on um, the groceries or so focused on getting that car park. I was telling my wife that I have a car park anointing. It's good. Um, and um, she, I said, I had God said to me, you had a choice between a car park anointing or a financial anointing. And I chose the car park anointing because I thought I'd use that a lot more in life than money. Um, but, yeah, wouldn't this be a funny TV show for Christians, hey? If we, if we set up scenarios where we're busy and our life is on the go and we're like, oh, so I've got to get to this. And there's a need right there that we can make a difference in. We can shine a light in. doesn't necessarily mean that this person is going to become a Christian straight away. But imagine making a difference in their life where it's like, hey, this, this person did something really nice for me. Or even just saying... Um, if you know the person, hey, can I pray for you? Or even 
I am praying for you. Just so they know that, you know, we want to see a difference in this situation. We've noticed a need and we're going to stop and just even see if they're all right. And this is talking to myself here. You get so busy, you know, so focused on your own life. Sometimes we miss the needs in our community that we can make a difference in and actually be Jesus in these people's lives. I'm sure Jesus made himself not that busy that he had time for other people than himself. That might be a little bit of a challenge for us today, that our life isn't so busy and so full that we have no time for anyone else except for our own agendas. Point number two. A good neighbor had compassion for those who suffer. So in verse 33, it said, Then the despised man came along, and he saw the man. He felt compassion for him. And I suppose... Here, it was like a strong feeling of pity, and it was like the Father's heart that Jesus had, I think, in, in, you know, in the Father's heart in, in those chapters in Luke 15, that he actually had pity and felt, felt sorry for that, that person and actually had compassion on their lives and wanted to, I suppose, maybe wanted to not help, but had so much compassion and I suppose love for the person that they couldn't not make a difference. And um, it's funny that if we look at verse 36, Jesus asked this religious leader, I suppose, I think he was a lawyer in the story. He said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. You know, we're neighbors to the world when we show mercy and we show compassion for the people that are in need. The expert of the law had a good question because Jesus, you know, said, what, is the, what does the law say? You know, and it said it back in the Old Testament. What, is the, what does the law say? And um, he said, love God and then love your neighbor. He's like, yeah, that's right. But then... The guy's like, well, who is my neighbor? It was a good question. Hey, I don't think he was trying to be, he might have been trying to slip him up probably, but it might have been a genuine question. You know, who is my neighbor? And then he said, the one who had mercy on him. And he said, well, go and do likewise. You know, be, be a person that doesn't just notice a need, but then I suppose has a, a father's heart, a shepherd's heart towards the person and show compassion, and, and do something about it. God is asking us to be a neighbor, neighbor to everyone, not just to the people that we know. So I've written down here that mercy is the highest form of love that we can show for one another. That, you know, it's that, that father's, father's heart, God's heart towards others. That's, that's God's heart towards us. He showed mercy on us that he forgives us of all of our sins and that, that grace towards us that we need to be able to show, show to others. We must have mercy on our neighbors. We're good neighbors to, to one another when we show mercy and grace towards them. When we, when we, can, when we can sacrifice, I suppose, something, our time, whatever that is, to be able to make a difference in the situation. Point number three. 
a good neighbor is willing to stop and help even when it's inconvenient. And I was talking about that before, but I wanted to show you in the verse um, about this inconvenience thing. Because I think Jesus used the priest as an example because everyone would have thought, well, he's the one that's going to make, he's the one that's going to stop. He's a priest. But it was inconvenient for the priest to stop because, um, yeah, I'll I'll just read out what what I've got here. It says, it was a priest and the Levite who first passed by. Um, is significant beyond the irony because of the situation. People who were expected to help didn't, or someone who was despised um, by the victim and by the crowd that these these Samaritan people weren't liked at the time by by the by the by the Jews and by the religious people. That the person who actually helped this guy, the guy who was injured, didn't actually like the guy who was helping him. It's ironic, eh? <laughs> that the guy who was beaten and bloody and half dead, needed help. But the person who went and helped him, the guy that was dying didn't even like. And I, was, I wonder what he was saying. Hey, you can't help me. You're, you're a Samaritan. You can't, you can't help me. Go away. I don't think he would have been saying that at the time, hey. He would have been like, please help. And he did. And I wonder, I wonder if that can be our world sometimes, that they might not like the church. They might not like the idea of Christianity, but they love the idea of getting help. They love the idea of, you know, someone making a difference in their need. And if we can do it in a loving way, if we can do it in a way that isn't judgmental, if we can do it in a way that doesn't make them feel bad and just love them in the situation they're in, you know, I think that's where we can make a big difference. But back to the inconvenience. Um, the priest had good reason not to, not to help. Um, there's a possibility that the victim was already dead. And touching a dead person for someone so holy, while not forbidden, would be, in modern day terms, a hassle. Um, all the necessary cleansing rituals um, prescribed by the Mosaic law would have taken this priest a bit of time to get holy again because he touched a dead person. So he's like, oh, I'm going to make a judgment call here and I think I would rather be priestly and you know, be the priest rather than get my hands dirty if this guy is already dead. Um, so I think I'm going to be a priest besides save someone's life and walked on by. And maybe that was, he was busy. Maybe he was on the road doing something that he needed to get to. Maybe he needed to preach 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning and he was going to get there at 11.15 and this would have thrown the whole church service out. Terrible. Or maybe he had to get to life groups and, um, you know, it was, it was dinner starting at 6 and if I got there at 6.30, I would have missed out on food. So I better not because that's way more important because I'm going to go talk about God rather than be God in this person's life. I know I'm just being facetious, but sometimes we can think like this in our lives. And it was inconvenient for the priest to stop because he may have been dead and he would have had to do all these things to get himself priestly again. You know, sometimes there's going to be inconvenience for us to stop and actually be a neighbor to someone else. I guarantee you it'll probably be inconvenient. Promise. (laughs) It's probably going to be inconvenient to help someone else. But, 
It's what the Bible tells us to do. You know, we're here, I believe, because we want to learn more about Jesus. We're here because we want to become more like Jesus. We're here in this building today because we want to build our relationship with God. And one way that we can do it is read the Word. What does it say in it? It says, love others as Jesus loved you. You know, be a neighbor to other people in need. And this is, this is going to be a challenge for myself, and I'm sure it's going to be a challenge for lots of people here to actually take time out to stop and have a look around at our community. Have, have God's eyes rather than just one-track-minded, focusing on what we're doing with our own lives. I think Jesus' unspoken challenge to all believers seems to be, would we help only if it's convenient? Or are we willing to go out of our way to show compassion? And I think it does make us go out of our way sometimes to help people in need. Fourth point and my last point. A good neighbor makes costly sacrifice of time and money to serve people. Verse 34, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Didn't take him to a hospital and said, someone else, can you, can you deal with this? He actually did it. Then the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. And I'm not sure what that would have been at the time, but seems like a bit of money. Telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay the next time I'm here. So he didn't only help the guy. He didn't only, you know, bandage him up, stop the bleeding, put some wine on it to stop infection. He also put him on the back of his own donkey, put him in his own car, drove him somewhere, helped him out, paid for the guy to stay here and get help, and then said, when I come back, if his bill is higher than this, I'm going to fix that up as well. That's huge. Hey? That's, a, that's a big commitment to this guy's life that he doesn't even like, or the guy doesn't even like him, and they probably didn't like each other. I'm guessing. I probably wouldn't like someone if they didn't like me. It's just my humanness. <laughs> you know? I think that's the whole point of this story as well, maybe, that just because someone doesn't like you doesn't mean that we can't make a difference in their life. So a neighbor is not limited to family members, geographical location, and race. In God's love, there is no barrier, no racial or cultural agenda. It's just, we love everyone. Jesus gave us one simple practical command. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Be a good neighbor to those who are helpless and in great need, whoever they may be. And I'll just, that, that, that quote that I used at the start, if you saw the lost and the needy the way that Jesus saw the lost and the needy, we'll begin to go like Jesus went. And I think we're called to be the hands and the feet to this community, Port Stephens, the hands and the feet to the people in your world and this world. You know, we're the answer. Jesus is the answer. We've got Jesus. So Jesus through us is going to be the answer to these people's lives that are in need and help. Just as the band comes, in the same way, Matthew five sixteen, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You know, I'm sure that, that this 
this Jew would have been praising this Samaritan, hey? Would have been like, what a legend. You saved my life. And maybe at first, the person might be going, this guy's a legend. But, you know, if Jesus through us is shining, I suppose we then have the opportunity to point them to Jesus and say, hey, the only reason that I suppose I did that was because I love you like God loves me. And God has the same love for you. And um, I suppose that's the, my challenge for today. Be a good neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love the people in your world. And a neighbor just isn't your relatives. It just isn't the person living next door to you. Your neighbor, well, you're going to be the good neighbor to the people that are in need. I suppose, you know, we're the neighbors that are going to help people. We're, we're the ones that are going to go make a difference in other people's lives. We're the ones that are going to show God's love that he has for us to someone else so that they might get, come to know God. Just let me pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you so much that you put these stories in the Bible so that we can learn from you. I just pray that this morning, God, we can just learn to, to love you more, I suppose. We can just learn the love that you have for us. The love that you died for us, even though that we're sinners. And it doesn't matter where we are in our lives. It doesn't matter how many mistakes we've made. It doesn't matter how many times we've stuffed up. That love's always going to be there, and there's no condemnation. There's no shame or no guilt for those that love Jesus Christ. So just while every head's bowed, I just want to ask a question this morning. Maybe you're in need and you need a saviour. Maybe you need Jesus. I just want to ask this morning if that's you. You'll know that's you here this morning because the Holy Spirit will be moving on your life. You'll be feeling like, wow, that kind of feel like I need this Jesus person. I don't know who he is, but that's okay. It says in the Bible that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. I just want to ask you this morning, if that's you, if you want to say, you know what, Jesus, I want you in my life. I'll talk to you after the service. I just want you to put your hand up real quickly and chuck it back down. If you want Jesus here this morning, That's okay. I just want to pray, finish this prayer off just for the church, I suppose, that we can just be those people that go out and make a difference in our world and our community. So God, I just lift these people up this morning that are here, God. I pray that they've heard your challenge. I pray that they can just hear your heart towards the world, towards a lost world towards a world that don't know you. I just pray, God, that we can be the people. We can be the church. We can be your hands and feet in people's lives that make a difference. I just pray, God, that we can step out of our own convenience and get inconvenient. I know that's a word. To make a difference in people's lives. I just pray that in your mighty name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.